1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, the impact, puberty, and hormonal changes have on ADHD. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. You've
0: heard it from organization experts and others. If you want to get things done, you need to keep to-do lists. If all the things you need or want to accomplish keep you up at night, you might think about spending five or ten minutes before bed writing down your list for the following day. Some people prefer to start their day by creating a list. Choose whichever works best for you. To learn more about time management and ADHD, visit chad.org.
1: on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Recently, we have been doing uh, a re-release of some uh, great shows that were done in the past because uh, the world likes everything to be new these days. So uh, great content great content. And uh, our uh, interview today was one of my favorite guests, Elaine taylor Claus, who just really kind of gets it. So this is a show that uh, I think has a lot of insights and wisdom on them. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you ro- roll the tape and enjoy this. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably got a teenager that's kind of involved and just anxious to hear. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Elaine, so great to have you yes. back on the show. It is always fabulous to be here. Thank you.
0: And thanks. You and, made me sound so, great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you are great. You're spectacular. Um, we go back a long time. I think it's coming up on 10 years, I think, pretty soon. We'll have to have an anniversary sure. show between the two of us. So oh, um, I teed this up because – and you're an expert in this world, and I'm kind of a semi-expert because I've got teens, and I've got no, Ooh. I know how difficult it is of – of how to manage this. And the, the focus of this show is I, I, I use the little playoff of Boy Scouts is because your kids with ADHD are growing. ADHD is very much the ability to self-regulate, to pause and override their automatic responses developmentally. They're a couple of years behind. And then all of a sudden you throw puberty on top of that and mental cycles for girls. And I think that just makes things a heck of a lot more difficult. And if you're a parent, of a challenging kid with this, it's not an easy thing. And, and I really want the parents to know this is not simple. You guys are doing great work for what you're doing because if it was simple, then you wouldn't be listening to this radio show now, would they? Right? Anything that is that? so true. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's really not a piece of cake. So just can you talk about just perspective, frame this out? I mean these kids with ADHD, they really do have the It's hard for them from the get-go because of the condition to actually pause and stop and think about what they're doing, which makes it really difficult. So many
0: things came up for me just as you were as you were sort of introducing the notion. And and the first was that this concern that parents have around managing kids with ADHD and puberty starts way before they hit puberty, at least especially for the girls. Because, you know, you've got a 10, 11-year-old girl, you know at some point this kid's going to get your, her period. And if she's melting down, you know, every time she hears the word no or, you know, something doesn't go her way, you know, it can be really sort of, daunting for a parent to think about how on earth is she going to handle it when she's actually menstruating. So the fear can start really early for parents, like what is this going to be like and, and how do I help a kid who's struggling to self-regulate to manage a, a, a chemical process that's sort of throwing you off balance?
1: Right. And that fear is uh, emotional self-regulation because we've done, we've done some shows where we interviewed Autumn Zatani from Sesame Street talking about self-regulation, emotional Mm self-regulation. And when you feel threatened, you go into that fight, flight or freeze. And it's funny because you can't even remember what you know that works. So when you get into that fear mode, you're like paralyzed and you're stuck.
0: That's right. That's right. And so parents, I mean, it starts before they hit puberty. And then when they start going through these changes and they start behaving in ways that are just completely unexpected, you know, the kids are surprised at the way they're behaving, the parents are surprised at the way they're behaving, and, and nobody really knows what to do about it, right? Because it's so off. It's so out of sync with what, what, they, what they've come to expect.
1: Wow. I, I love doing interviews with you because I think it, we always come into this when we collide and something really cool comes out. And, and you said everybody's kind of surprised at how they're behaving. Yeah. And I'm going to digress here. Hopefully I can kind of keep this thought. So if I get lost here, uh, Lane. I'll bring it back. I always do. Yeah, thank God. Um, so when my oldest son was back when he was 15 one day, I came in. I was frustrated with him. And I, I mean, I was you know, don't scream at your kids. And of course, I'm ranting and raving. And I look at him right like in the middle of my rant, of course, he's being silent. And my mother always told me never, never scream at kids because when you do, they're actually in control of the conversation. Yep, and so true. anyway, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I stop. I don't know what the hell enabled me to pause. And I looked at him and I'm thinking, this kid's going through puberty. So all these hormones have been released into his body to change, you know, his voice and his thought and the way he thinks. And I'm going, he's intoxicated with hormones. How stupid am I? I'm screaming at a drunk, and <laughs> I was surprised at my behavior because I was enraged, and I couldn't yeah. control myself, and I'm screaming at a drunk – again, I'm, I'm metaphorically saying Not that. Not really he's drunk. Yeah, got it. And, I, yeah, and I'm going I'm, – I'm screaming at somebody who's intoxicated, I'm dumb enough to think that he's going to listen to me, and my behavior surprised me. I mean
0: yeah.
1: it was – was, well, so, I was having as much a problem as self-regulating as he was. Right, well, and so here's the flip
0: side of that, right? I will never forget my daughter coming inside. and She was in middle school, so right in in these these hot and happening years. And it was the first time in her life that she had ever really been taught about 9-11. Now, she had heard about it. She sort of knew about it. It wasn't that she was completely ignorant, but it was the first time they had ever really addressed it in school in a real constructive way. And she was blown away by it. And she came home, and she was slamming and screaming and raging and going upstairs. And at one point, I'm like, sweetie, what's going on? She's like screaming at the top of her lungs, I don't know what's wrong, right? And she was completely out of control. And, you know, it took me a while to figure out when I finally sort of got her calm and figured out what was going on um, that she had been triggered by this new awareness she had, and she was so sad and so upset and so hurt. But the part that really stuck with me was when she screamed at the top of her lungs, I don't know why I'm screaming. Wow. And she didn't. She, really, she was just unable to control the emotional intensity that was raging in her body and her brain. Um, And that was a huge wake-up for me because it helped me see, whoa, this is not – she's not being rude or disrespectful or she's out of control. And so my first job here is to to slow down and try to have some compassion for how hard it must feel for her to be out of control and, and help her regain control first. We call it reclaim the brain. Right when the brain is triggered, okay. when you're uh-huh. in fight, flight, or freeze, first thing you got to do is recognize you're triggered in the in the first place, yep. and then you got to reclaim the brain. And until you do that, there is no rational conversation that's going to happen. It's not possible. Um, but that's a hard thing to do when you're triggered and they're triggered, and it's and they well, do a really good job of triggering us at this phase.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, I that is I, re, reclaim the brain, I, I, Elaine. Yeah. This is a great stopping point. I want to come back and I want to talk about this cuz this this is there's an awareness issue here and to me there's a ubiquitous process that does this and it's it's not it's it's not a structure. I mean it's not a thing. It's a it's a process that you take people. Through. So we're going to come back and talk about that before we go everybody. You already already know from this interview that Elaine's brilliant. So you have got to go check out her and her brilliant partner at impactadhd.com and if you put impactadhd.com forward slash free gift you can probably uh, walk away with some great takeaways so with that we'll be right back after these messages our secret word is hormonal your life your world your choice this is attention talk radio Learn how you can change your lives by going to ADDCA.com slash ATR. That's ADDCA.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by Digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Claus having a great conversation about ADHD, self-regulation, puberty, uh, and, and, and the list kind of goes on. And before the break, we're just kind of talking about the dynamic and really kind of acknowledging this is not an easy space. And um, actually, you know, Elaine, next week we're doing a show uh, or I'm taping a show pretty soon with Ari Tuckman that talks about uh, satisfaction and the root of it is expectations. And sometimes if you just – if you say this is really kind of hard – and everybody knows that you, you, you make this adjustment to perfect because today is this is not easy. This is an art. Uh-oh. And beforehand we were talking about how I was surprised at my behavior, and your daughter was like, I don't know why I'm screaming. And then you started talking about reclaiming the brain because when you get into this emotional thing, you got to reclaim the brain. And that is – if it was that easy and we could snap our fingers, we would not be having this conversation. So just talk to us a little bit more about what that's all about.
0: Okay. So um, so you had mentioned earlier the whole notion of fight or flight, fight, flight, freeze, whatever, yep. however you want to put it. And so yep. what happens when we get stressed or the hormones take over, the cortisol, rages, however you want to describe it, define it, is we get triggered. Simple language, somebody's getting triggered. And when you're triggered, yep. we call it amygdala hijack. So the amygdala yep. is the primitive part of the brain. It hijacks the brain. The frontal lobe is no longer in control, and the primitive brain has taken over. In order to get back to a rational brain, to a reasonable conversation where you can think and reason and anticipate and all of that, you have to reclaim the brain from the amygdala. You have to get back from that hijacked state. And in order to do that, there's sort of two phases to it. The first is to recognize that you're triggered in the first place. And, you know, when you're sitting there screaming at your son, you're not recognizing that. And then all of a sudden you have this epiphanous moment where you went, wait a minute, I'm screaming at a drunk. Right. Yep. And so you recognized you were triggered. And then the second phase is to reclaim the brain physiologically. So it's, it's actually physical. And usually if, if you um, if you notice when you get triggered, whether you do a trigger journal or, you know, there are a lot of different ways that people pay attention to it. If you notice it, you'll start to notice that you have some tells, some physical tells your body will give you when you're starting to get stressed. Um, For me, Mm -hmm. I rub my hands, instead of rubbing my hands through my hair, I may start to sort of rub and pull my hair a little bit. Some people rub their temples, some people rub their hands and their hands get sweaty or they feel their heart racing, Um, you know, the veritable hair on the back of your neck, right? Everybody's got some physiological symptom that they're starting to get triggered. Yep. So if you can start to recognize your triggers, that's one way to begin to recognize when you're, when you're getting there so that as soon as you recognize it, it, it sort of shortens the cycle and lets you respond to it quickly. And then the next part of it is, is to, once you recognize your triggers, is to know what calms you down, what, what does bring yes. you back to center. And, and, you know, we encourage people to, to brainstorm a whole list of things and strategies that you can use. Uh, we know that drinking water, uh, because you're dealing with a primitive brain here, water sends the message that you're safe, you're at the, you're at the mm-hmm. uh, water hole. So drinking water actually can calm people down. Unfortunately, caffeine, like coffee and sodas and stuff, yep. does not work. Tea <laughs> doesn't yep. do it, but drinking yep. water can calm people down. Um, physical exertion, you know, wall push-ups, yep. walking up a hill, yep. um, taking a shower, taking a break, you know, timeouts, deep breaths. All of those things are strategies that we can use to physiologically bring ourselves back to a, to a calmer place and let the frontal lobe get back in charge. So That was a really quick version of it.
1: Brilliantly articulated so in, <laughs> it, so when you get into that state when you've got to reclaim your brain because your primitive brain has taken over and your executive functioning brain is no longer in control and and reclaiming reclaiming your brain is effortful it's it takes some energy it's Consciousness and it's. Time and energy. Consuming. It's time – this is – everybody, Everybody. if you think this is hard, it's because it's hard. It takes time. (laughs) It takes energy, and it's a little bit frustrating, and as I described in my situation is I had to reclaim my primitive brain because it was going nuts. And when when your daughter is screaming like, I don't even know why I'm doing it, her her thinking brain clearly isn't in control because it doesn't even know why it's doing it. And this is not easy as a parent, but the idea is, as you said, to reclaim the brain – you paused and began to calm down yourself and began to help your daughter down-regulate as best you yeah, can that's in the moment. A good way to put it. Because both of your executive – we need to bring them back into the party so that we can begin to think. So we're not going to react to it because um, you talk Wait, about – Wait, uh, I want
0: to add something here before we go someplace yep. else because it's right on that, and that's that yep. we have to down-regulate. And if they're triggered, they may not want to, right? Ooh. So – they are, they're triggered and so they may be up for the fight if they're in that fight place. Just when you're like, okay, we gotta calm down. No, I wanna talk about it now, right? So that's even harder. You can't have that conversation in the moment because they're not in a rational place to have it. So you need to have those conversations with your kid about what does that down regulation look like, what strategies you're gonna use when you're not in the heat of the moment. Because in the moment, if they're fighters, they're gonna to wanna to, to to take the bait and keep fighting our job is not to take the bait hard hard stuff
1: which which is hard (laughs) because now 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 we're flipping the coin now parent you've got the same problem they do is you've got to self-regulate and not take the bait so in a sense the parent the parent doesn't have adhd but we've got both sides of it trying to self-regulate in the moment when everybody's pushing each other's buttons because if you take the bait we're going to spin out of control. It's not going to help the situation. As hard as it exactly. is not to push the button, you've got to resist not pushing the button.
0: Yeah, and it's hard not to put them over the edge when you're furious, right, or hurt yep. or scared or whatever. Now, I mean, there are times where, we're, where if there's real danger at, at place, that's got to be the precedent. You've got to, you know, knock yep. the kid out of yep. the way of the, of the moving vehicle. But for the most part, um, when we take the bait and we allow ourselves to get triggered, um, as your mom said, they are now in control. And that's not going to serve anybody. Not that we need to be controlling our kids, but that the whole point is for everybody to have some sense of self-control. And if we're not modeling it for them, it's going to be awfully hard for them to learn it.
1: So just to to make it tangible because as my mother had described is when you are going on and on and on, they're in control because it's showing your willingness to negotiate to a certain extent. And the more you talk about it, and the more you go and you negotiate and you give in, they were actually kind of controlled to kind of manipulate you to get more of what you want. And I, I was saying that because just, just to say that they're in control of it is, again, you're frustrated and you're looking for something, and you're more – apt. either sometimes you get frustrated and you give up and they win totally or they win that stuff. So again, the, the more you go on, as my mother described, the more it demonstrates to them your willingness to negotiate, they take advantage of you. So anyway –
0: you know, to, just, just to finish right. with that, so yep. Hal Runkle wrote a book called Scream, Scream-Free Parenting. And what he says is when you're screaming, what you're saying to your kids is calm me down. And it's no longer about your kids and what's going on with you. Now it's about with, – with them, now it's about you. And it, it, a whole wow. focus shifts from kid to adult. And our, point, our purpose here is to keep the focus on what's going on with the kid and not let them n- distract us back to us. Because they will trigger just, us and push our buttons so that the issue, we're no longer talking about whether they took the trash out or did their homework. Because now we're talking about how they talk to us.
1: Okay, everybody, what you need to do is you need to go back and re-listen to everything Elaine <laughs> said. Like five times, write it down, put it on a sign on the wall because it's absolutely brilliant. It will be quoted, I can guarantee you tomorrow, (laughs) Um, and social media and some other things. So anyway, just go back and listen to it. But for now, we're going to go to a break. Again, to learn more about Elaine's brilliance, go to impactADHD.com. Actually, not to learn, not to hear more, but to go observe her brilliance, go there. And uh, if you want to catch some free goodies, go to impactADHD.com, free stuff. And with that, we'll be right back after these Free gift, free gift. Our secret word is hormonal. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca. You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here at the Lane taylor Closs experiencing the brilliance of Elaine taylor Closs. And as I always said, I love doing shows with you because they always come out better than I could ever dream, and this has been nothing but gold. I know this is going to be on the top five of my favorites all time. Um, so I, I want to talk about this a little bit, Elaine, is that um, you're going through this stuff, and you can downregulate the, your emotions. And now we're going back to the attention side of things a little bit. And um, – you're an adult with ADHD, and you go out and you read all these books, and they're they're talking to you about these things. But you know, ADHD, as I learned from Doctor Quinn a long time ago, it manifests very different in, in boys and girls. And I've also learned over the years is that the the menstrual cycle will ebb and flow in terms of estrogen, and estrogen can help you. Focus and pay attention to it, and when it, it when it's reduced, it's more it it difficult. And so we can, as a parent, now, now you could have two, and it, it gets kind of crazy. Can you just talk about your perspective on some of that stuff a little bit? Because it gets kind of crazy, particularly if you've got a, a, a boy and a girl in the house with it, because they could be it can manifest very differently.
0: Well, you know, I, yeah, it can manifest differently, and and it's gonna part of it is, is hormone. I, you know, part of me is like, does it really matter what the core what the Cause of it is, <laughs> you know. We just know that it's going to be different for each child, and you know, if a child is is more likely to f- to fight or freeze, you're going to have a different manifestation. And um, with with girls, at least, there is some cyclical nature to it, so you can begin to sort of watch the pattern. I know lots of dads mm-hmm. who document their their wives' and daughters' menstrual cycles so that they know when to be a little bit more compassionate and when to make sure there's ice cream in the house and, (laughs) you know, when to (laughs) to not take 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 the bait. Um, But I think we need to be careful not to assume that those same cycles are happening with our boys just because we can't see them, right? I think that we – I've watched – you know, I have had two girls and a boy, and so watching the boy differently, um, he definitely has highs and lows. He definitely has – more emotional times and less. I can't say that I've mapped it, but I'm not that, you know, it's not something I pay that close attention to. Um, but I do know that, you know, whether boys are supposed to cry or not, um, you know, teenage kids get emotional and, and their feelings yep. are intense. And um, we need to honor that, recognize that, respect that, ex- expect that. Um, and not sort of take that, well, he shouldn't because he's 16, he should know better, or any of that. Life is intense for them. Like my son came down yep. to do an exam, he came down yesterday morning, and he said, you know, this is hard. And <laughs> it is hard. He said, this is hard, guys. You know, and it is. Getting through the end of a school year is really hard for kids with ADHD. Pushing through the end, yep, completion, yep. it's hard, right? Yep. So, so I think – Whatever the manifestation of it, it's it's our job as parents to recognize that these kids are not willfully being rude or disobedient or, or, or crazy, um, that they're struggling often mightily to, to feel some sense of control in a brain and body that feels completely out of their control.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. I, I, I'm just slowing this down for a second because what I, we've been ramped up and we've been talking about emotions and the difficulty. We hope that we are acknowledging to the parents that are listening. This is not an easy thing to do for the child or the, the adolescent or yourself. And the more you can acknowledge it and be able to stop and kind of calm down, because I think the key, and I'm, I'm be the anxious for your thoughts on this is to be able to be calm. And it's really all about observation because Everybody's a little bit different because as you said, you know, it doesn't really matter, but you, you have to meet your, your child where they are. And if they don't like to talk about these things, that's another challenge. And sometimes they are insatiable. Some are pleasers and others are more defiant. And it really runs the gamut. But the trick really is, is to calmly slow down. And witness and observe the individual differences of your kid, and then the best you can at trial and error, try to crack the code so that you can kind of Mm -hmm. get to them. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, you know, here's what came up. We teach a strategy that's a pretty general universal strategy for problem solving, but I think it's really applicable here because you hit it right on the head, and that's you talked about acknowledgement. (laughs) And our kids really need to be seen and recognize for what's going on for them and not not be made to feel they're wrong by it. And so we call it the ace principle or the ace system and ace stands for acknowledgement, compassion and then explore your options. Um, and I may have talked about this on a previous uh, previous call or not I'm not sure but but I think it's really, really applicable here because first they need to be acknowledged. And, it, and if you can just say, wow, you're feeling really upset, you're feeling really angry, it looks like you're furious, it looks like you're having a hard time, whatever that is, just seeing them and being seen by their parent is, is really powerful then, for them. And then having compassion for it. I, you know, I hate it when I feel that way. Or, you know, I, you know I, be, I, I bet it's really hard for you. I can sort of remember what it was like When I was there, too, and I can imagine that this is really hard, just that recognition for them, um, that's sort of the core of empathy is acknowledgement and compassion, right? And then you can get, after you sort of do that and you reconnect with each other on a relationship level, right, You, you find where you're in line with each other, then you can explore the options, what do we need to do differently, what needs to happen, how are we going to address this, but, if you start by problem solving before you connect it 's really hard for them to trust and it 's hard for them to feel um, seen and recognized and they They need that at this stage of development they are struggling with control and they need what makes them feel part of what makes them feel control is to be in control is to feel, be feel seen and acknowledged
1: and when I was listening to you on this, I, I, I had this flooding feeling. I was having a hard time paying attention. I know you're saying some great things about it and it's there, but but as you as you talk about acknowledgement, compassion, um, and exploration, I think I got that right at the end. Is all I could think about, um, Elaine, was a recent conversation you you and I had about the yes and conversation because uh-huh. when you when you go in because we were doing a little thing on. Um, Active listening skills and playing off of improv, and if you say no to your kid to everything, it just gonna, yeah. it's just going to dead end you. Both of you are going to go nowhere, and the idea is to say – to acknowledge them. Like I, I acknowledge it, have some compassionate yes, and let's kind of go explore, but I'm, I was listening to you, Elaine, I was thinking how many parents like, yeah, 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 that sounds really good. Acknowledge, compassion, exploration, but – and right. that yes but is 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 if you can feel yourself saying that to, to yeah, what you were saying before i think when i was tr- this is coming and bombarding my head. Is that you know you you have this acknowledgement, compassion, exploration, but you got to come from the right place to be safe. But if you hear yourself saying butt in the back of your head, you've got to relax and let the butt go and say well yes and kind of go forward because that but is a very adversarial type thing. You, just, yeah. you don't have a lot of time to, to rehash that whole concept. But can you just comment on that a second?
0: Well, I, I mean, I think you're right on target. If I if I were to sort of synopsize, the fundamental, if I had to choose one strategy for parents to use in raising teenagers, and that's really what we're talking about, it's yep. to focus on the relationship. And, you know, to not worry about being right, not always worrying about making sure it gets done, and, 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 you know, all of those panic feelings, scary things that we as parents want to make sure they're ready for adulthood and all of that. If we stay connected If we stay in relationship with them, then when they are beginning to deal with some of the things we want them to deal with, and they may be doing that at a later age than their peers, they are more likely to come to us, they're more likely to ask for for input, they're more likely to talk to us if we stay connected. And our kids are are going to learn late and get to some things later than their their peers. That's just the nature of the way their brains are wired. And so the most important thing we can do through these pubescent years is to stay in relationship with our kids and stay connected to them. Nothing is more important than that.
1: You know, years ago I used to hear hear, love will conquer all, just love your kids. And as I started to study attention I kind of twisted that around to it's pay attention to your kids. It's, it's, it's really to me kind of – it's slightly different. You can emotionally love your kids, but that doesn't mean when they want to talk that you're actually going to sit down and listen. I, sometimes I think it's really more as, right. when they want to talk, you need to listen to them talk.
0: Yeah, I got some Just, advice before my, my oldest daughter became a teenager. Her friend's mom, who had an older daughter, said, start napping because if they want to come talk to you at 1 o'clock in the morning, you need to be available, and that's what's going to happen. And sure enough, they want to start talking when you go to say goodnight at, you know, eleven, twelve 12 o'clock at night. You know, yep, it's, yep. They're on a different cycle, and, and we have to, you said it earlier, we have to meet them where they are and remember that at the end of the day, that relationship with them, that's, that's what it's about. That's what's going to carry into adulthood. That's going to, what's going to be what helps them be successful is, is they have somebody who believes in them and cares about them and loves them unconditionally, and that doesn't mean we agree with everything they do, but we believe in them and see what's possible for them. They need that from us as much as anything. That's what will help them become the resilient adults that we need them to be, that they want to be.
1: So, picture this parents out there you 're out there, and you 've been doing this for a really long hard time you 're you're, you're, you're sleep deprived you 're really tired and you 're coming home from a long day of work and there was a surprise there 's a lot of pressure on you you 're ruminating about a problem um, you 're absolutely exhausted. you 're going to bed, and all of a sudden your teen wants to talk. The last thing that you, i mean you 're like you don 't have the patience for it because you 've got your own issues of the day you, you 're told that you have to listen to it, but honestly you 're exhausted. you want to go to bed can 't we do this tomorrow? And it is the hardest thing on the planet to sit there and not only listen to them but pay attention to what they're saying. And if, if, you, if anybody tells you this is an easy thing to do, they're smoking crack. And what, the one thing I hope any parent gets out of this is they're listening to this, and we're meeting you where they are. This is not an easy thing to do, but you can focus on those things and you can down-regulate, you can be there for them, you, you'll do more right. And if you do those little things over a long period of time, when when they, as I say this, I had a dumbass attack apparently. Um, I think it was June. I forget the year. I went to bed one night. I was the smartest, strongest dad, and then all of a sudden I had a dumbass attack, and then when my son hit 20, all of a sudden – you like that? You've been getting smart lately, and and they go into this tunnel. I say, and that if you do the right stuff, yep. and they come out the other side, hopefully it's there. But it's it's difficult because there's not a lot of feedback when they're in that tunnel. Um, yeah,
0: you do start it, getting it just, smarter when they hit their twenties, and and yep. the other here, here's the other great thing that comes is you start hearing these things come out of their mouths that you didn't even know that they heard. Right? It's like, ooh, wait, you got that six years ago? You got that? Eight years? <laughs> like, they start. Saying and doing things like, huh, you don't want to say anything because you don't want to you know, push your luck. But, but they start to do things. It's like, okay, it's on some level they were paying attention.
1: It's great. <laughs> uh, everybody, it, there's there's the good and the bad, too. But <laughs> not to say, yeah, but it, it's exactly. really kind of cool when they end up kind of pairing that stuff. So, um, Elaine, to wrap this up, any any final comments? Uh,
0: yeah, there's one other point I want to mention, and, and yep. I think this is salient at this, at this stage, is that a lot of our kids, um, as we, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times, they have developmental delay of some kind. They are mm-hmm. sort of developmentally, organizationally, struck, emotionally maybe behind at their peers. They'll get there eventually, but they're a little behind, which may mean that they missed learning something at some point in their development when it was being taught. So, you know, third grade, first grade, they teach you to sit in your seat, and our kids aren't ready to learn to sit in their seat in first grade. Uh, Or third grade, you know, whatever the strategies are that they teach kids along the way, when to learn to use a plan or when to learn to do this or that. And at some point, all of our kids have missed some critical pieces of their education that we think that they know because they were taught it, but they didn't really absorb it at the time. And Mm -hmm. all of this sort of can come crashing together in these pubescent years when they're in high school and all of a sudden school matters and relationships matter and there's risky behaviors. There's all this other stuff. The stakes are higher. And so I guess what I want to say is to remember that if it feels like they're really not thinking, (laughs) it may be that they missed some piece of their training along the way. And there may be some need to retrain respectfully and cautiously because you don't want to treat them like they're two, right? But, but yep. to recognize that sometimes um, they may have missed something along the way and there may be an opportunity to sort of teach them in a new way something that you thought they had learned a bit, but they may not have.
1: Except and I know that's well a little put. ambiguous,
0: but I think it's really helpful.
1: No, I think it is. I, when, when, when you see it play out in your kid, you'll know exactly what Elaine's talking about. Um, <laughs> it's true. But you have to look for it. I mean, it's kind of like, kinda like oh, you know, it's – you
0: missed that. And yeah. to the best example, I remember when my daughter was, was 17, she heard me describing um, ADHD and executive function to a, to a neighbor, to a friend. And she looked at me and she said, you mean I'm not a really immature 17, I'm just a really mature 14-year-old? And I went, <laughs> yes, okay, I guess sort of like that. She went, oh, and it was like she could be with that. And then she wow. was open to learning things that she had missed along the way because now she realized she had missed it. It was really wow. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: yeah. great. It's kind of funny. It's like I always like going through that store, Bookstone, that's always in the mall because I always walk in and yeah. go, oh, that's what that is." Anyway, it, like it kind of surprised me all the unique gadgets. So anyway, the last thing that I'd like to say before I could close out the show is, I, I really, if you're a parent and you're listening to this show, you care. Yeah, you love your kids. Yep, you're searching for examples. You are. Your heart's in the right place. You're doing the right thing. What we hope tonight is that we met you where they are. if this was simple, nobody nobody would care what Elaine and I think, um, and even sometimes I got that <laughs> but uh, the point really is is that you 're here, you care you 're doing the right things you're doing the best you can. Every kid is really different. Um, I remember I was pissed off when the, when we came home with my first child without the manual, um, and I went back yeah. and said we 're not leaving the hospital the second time without the manual to the kid, and we did it again and um, it's not a ubiquitous manual. It's as an individual. So again, if you're listening to the show, um, it's, this isn't easy. Uh, and there's a lot of other people that are sharing this experience, but know that you're a good person, you're a good parent because you're listening to that. So with that, Elaine, you yes. crushed it. Thanks. Again. It was a pleasure as usual. And, and we're going to have to I'm, – I'm already trying to think of another show. I've, I've actually got some ideas. So anyway, with that, everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Go learn more about Elaine at impactADHD.com. And uh, Elaine, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks
0: for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. Everybody, catch us next week. Take care.